So now I'm more on the listing side of things. But in the beginning, I wasn't. I was a leasing agent. I did a lot of leases. I was a buying agent. I did a lot of buys. And now I'm a selling agent. I list a lot of properties. So there's a transition. You don't just go zero to 100. There's no way to sustain that. And there's no way to build up credibility. All right, we're live. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming to another episode of Level Up. I'm Katie. I'm here with Daniel with a very, very special guest. Today, we are here with Elena Seraditis. She is a real estate powerhouse, having achieved being the number one agent when she was with Brad Lamb Realty in both 2021 and 2022. Elena isn't just a top-selling realtor, though. She's also an active investor with a personal real estate portfolio valued at $10 million. She uses her own investments to showcase the endless possibilities available in the world of real estate, paving the way for her clients to replicate her success. Elena is also known for her focus on customer satisfaction, working tirelessly to ensure that the excitement of, a pur of purchasing a new property isn't overshadowed by the stress that could come with it, which is very important. This dedication to her clients has earned her a loyal following with over 80% of her annual bookings coming from repeat customers and referrals. She's now with Royal Page Signature, and she started a team last year. Uh, in 2023, she was honored with the Chairman's Club Award, which is amazing. Um, this honor places uh, all realtors in the or those that win it in the top one percent of realtors among 20,000 peers under the Royal LePage brand. And she's also recognized as one of the top 35 realtors under 35 in Canada for 2023. Holy crap! Welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Amazing. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. So how long have you been in this business for? Technically, I'd be entering into my sixth year in February. Gosh. Yeah. So like, <laughs> what, what did you, like, I'm just like, I'm shocked. I came out <laughs> running. We didn't walk. We ran. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Let's first start. Like what made you get into the business to start out? So I kind of fell into this industry. It wasn't planned at all. I was actually pre-med in university. And in my second year of university, I was actually in a sorority and I went to a fraternity party and I met these two alumni and the alumni offered me a summer job. And the summer job was actually starting a real estate brokerage and I was doing everything for them. I did their accounting. I did writing up their listings. I did everything. But the one thing that real estate agents and everyone should keep in mind, don't let the person that you're underpaying see your books. So I could see everything. I could see how much they were paying, how much they were getting, how much they were paying out and how much they were paying me. So that was a vital or a crucial mistake that they made because it ended up changing the way that I wanted to do things moving forward. And I eventually just decided to get into real estate based on that. I said, I can do it part-time while I'm in school. I'm already doing it now. Yeah. Lo and behold, you cannot do it part-time. Yeah. And I eventually was doing fewer and fewer classes and I fully flipped over to real estate. So imagine having that conversation with your parents. You're not going to medical school anymore. You're going to be a real estate agent. It's going over well. <laughs> well I, that sounds like it turned out okay, though. I'm sure if there was initial, yeah. if there was initial shock, I think things might have uh, smoothed themselves out. 
Well, they don't say anything now. They're like, ah, she can right. afford real estate. She's not homeless. Like she's actually doing well in this field. It's going to be fine. But definitely in the beginning, they were like, my daughter's going to be homeless. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm curious, given your start, it's kind of a two-part question. Like, first of all, the two people who you started working for, did they bring you on because doing the admin and all that, that type of work was a shortcoming of theirs or just because they didn't have the time to do that? because they wanted to be making the big bucks just doing the the buying and selling. So they were actually starting a brokerage. So it wasn't just being a team admin, it was being uh, running the back end of the actual office. Um, and they were just looking for someone to come in over the summer. And if things went well, they'd eventually hire someone full-time, but I was still in school. So they understood right. it would just be a summer job, but it wasn't just a summer job. It turned into my career. Well, how important was that, though? I mean, it's kind of a it's a leading question, but to learn the back end before diving headfirst into the front end, like, has that been a crucial kind of bullet point on your knowledge base and your appreciation of the industry doing the sales side full time? Well, I actually knew how to do the paperwork off the bat because I was doing it already. And I'm sure a lot of people get their license. They go into this industry and they don't even know how to write up a paper, like write up an offer or write up a listing. I knew how to do it. So I definitely had a leg up just from that. Um, but definitely like, it was a good start. It was a good starting point. Hmm. Yeah. So how did you get started? Like, where did you go to start getting your clients? Were you more like online leads or did you use your, you, you know, the people that you knew your the people surrounding you? Like, how did you, how did you get going on that? So sphere of influence definitely played a role. Um, I grew up in Toronto, so I have a very big network here. And I also went to high school, university, everything here. So I am very much a Torontonian through and through. Mm. Um, but online leads was kind of where I started. Okay. And I say that because when you first get into real estate or any industry, when you're brand new, how many people want to take a chance on you? I was also 22 when I started. So how many, even parents of people were like, why would we trust someone that's 22 to do our transaction? So I had to start building a clientele of people that maybe they didn't know my age or they would start off with me and they'll do a transaction with me later on. It was just about establishing credibility. So a lot of online leads, um, I was doing a lot of rentals and my first year I probably did over a hundred rentals. So awesome. I was doing rentals all the time because rentals turn into sales and rental people usually don't have an agent to work with. So if I could get into that market, if I can get people early enough, they'll eventually use me throughout their lifetime or throughout their transaction history. Yeah. When you started, was it pretty much cast a wide net and whoever calls me, I'm going to take because I'm new and I want the business? Or were you trying to focus on a this is this this is the vertical I want to be in or this is the demographic I want to stick to? Or it was like, hey. Call me and I'm yours kind of approach. Everyone, everyone and <laughs> anyone. You like, you learn later on, I think, how to be more selective with clients and how to let people go when you know you're not the right fit for them. But in the beginning, I was working with everyone. I was working in every kind of transaction. You want to do a commercial lease? I'll do it. Do you want to buy something that I've never sold before? I'll help you. I was doing everything. I was never saying no. And I was helping every agent at my office that knew what they were doing. So if there was agents with rental listings, I said, I'll, I'll do all the work for you. I'll take out the leads. If they come in, I'll cut you in. Like just help me any way I can and I'll help you. So I would go do all the stuff they didn't like to do. So I'd sit at their listings and do open houses or I'd flyer the neighborhood. Like I would do the jobs that they didn't want to do. And that's how I got a leg up. 
That's so smart. That's like, I mean, and I mean, for all the new agents out there, because, you know, we, we talk to a lot of new agents as part of the brokerage and it's, I find people hesitate to do that stuff. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm just getting too old and I'm like, what is it with kids these days? But like, I, it is what you have to do, right? Like you have to get dirty and into the stuff that you don't know, don't really want to be doing. Like, is that like, if you were to tell somebody that's just getting into the business now, like, is that the same advice that you'd probably give them now? hundred percent. Yeah. Nothing is going to be easy. Like, Fat, like there's no fast money. There's no easy way to do this. The rentals will sustain you until you're able to do sales and rental business will eventually turn into sales if you treat them the right way. So it's about a, a long-term effect. So when you first start off, if you're doing a hundred rentals a year, let's say in your second year, those rentals will potentially buy. So let's mm -hmm. say if you capture 10 of them to buy, five of them to buy out of that hundred, that's your income for the next year. Whatever you would have made during doing all those rentals is your next year income. If the year after that, let's say another 10 of the people that you put in the first year from the rentals now want to buy. Now you have 15 potential buyers that are just coming out of that group. Then you continue with repeat referral clientele. All of that, it's a compounding effect. So you're doing a bunch of things that take up a lot of time that don't give you a lot of money up front, but it's a long-term effect. The people that buy this year, when will they eventually sell with you? Four to five years out. So I'm in my sixth year, but it's my people that are converting. So now I'm more on the listing side of things. But in the beginning, I wasn't. I was a leasing agent. I did a lot of leases. I was a buying agent. I did a lot of buys. And now I'm a selling agent. I list a lot of properties. So there's a transition. You don't just go zero to 100. There's no way to sustain that. And there's no way to build up credibility. Now I go into a, a listing appointment or I work with a buyer and I can tell them from every avenue why this is a good investment because I did all the grunt work first. I can tell them how to sell a property because I went through every single step. You didn't just get successful. There was something you did in between. So what's the in-between steps? It's it's media. Media makes it look like it's supposed to be an easy, easy 100%. way to make a lot of money. It's <laughs> not that way. Yeah. Like we work all the time and every person on my team like the expectation is you're not working, you're in the office. Like there has to be something that you're doing to make money. And I know so agents don't hate me for saying this. Like, don't reach out to me if you want to be a part-time agent. I won't take it seriously. But if you want to make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, like I can show you how to do it, but you're going to do the grunt work. There's no skipping that step. Well, that's the thing. And it, it's so funny because as much as 90% of agents will say, oh, I know it's not you know, $3 million properties and up and every listing you're putting, you know, synchronized swimmers in the pool for a party and serving sushi off this. And I, people still believe that that's what's going on. And I think when you've got those rose colored glasses, you're at a disadvantage because you're coming into it with misguided expectations, which is a theme of our industry to begin with misguided expectations, right? So um, you said something though, that really is is super important, which is kind of the multiple value effect of how you started, where on the one hand, you know, 100 leases, you're making enough money and then some to sustain a year of, of, of income, for sure. You're building database at the same time that serves you in the future, but you're also gaining more and more knowledge which each, with each one that you do that's fueling future discussions with those people, future discussions with people in those types of buildings or whatever. So it it comes across to those who aren't taking it this way. It's a no brainer for anybody who's starting to just dive in 
and do as much of that as possible for uh, probably for more reasons than that. But if that's not enough to drive people to want to do it, like, come on, give your head a shake people. Yeah. Yeah. So. so true. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that when it comes to the, the rentals, cause you know, I know a ton of agents to do that, which is amazing. And they're kind of at that point where, okay, I've, I've, I've serviced, or I've, I've worked with, you know, 50, a hundred tenants, but it's not as simple as just like assuming that they're going to give you the business of the buy when it comes time for that. So how did you keep in touch with those people? And what did you do to kind of make sure that you stayed top of mind as they progressed through their real estate journey? So some of my clients actually um, laugh about this and they go, we're on the LNFPR list. So every time <laughs> anything happens, they get invited or they get something in the mail. I don't like doing big closing gifts. I was never okay. that person that did something big, but I'll do little things throughout the span of their lifetime. So every month or something, like for example, um, right now we actually have an event today for first time buyers. So myself and anyone on the team, whoever has someone that's on the fence about buying and wants to know more about the market or has a tenant that they put into a property that now might think about buying is coming. Now from that event, that was the touch point for January. In February, we have, um, you are the heart of our business. They get little candy grams. It's nothing big, but they like it. They post it on social media. Their friends see it. They think that their agents are doing so much. Like you get them a big gift, it's great. They're gonna post it once if they post it. And then they're never gonna talk about it again. But if you get them something that constantly is showing up at their house randomly or something like very thoughtful, like one of my clients got into law school and I sent her a bottle of champagne and I made it on brand with the their age demographic as well. Like she's a little bit younger and she's watched Legally Blonde and I put like it's hard on the balloon that, <laughs> that I sent it with. So doing something cute like that, little tweaks that are more personalized to the person. Like we even send stuff out for Ramadan, um, for like anything related to the specific individual we tailor. So it's not just, you're going to hear from us at Christmas. You're going to hear from us probably about 12 times a year. And it's just about, if you have someone interested in this, if you want to do this, there's opportunities for them to meet with us. Even for open houses, like my clients stop by open houses to say hi to me. Like it's amazing. Well, they know we have fake cookies, so they show up. (laughs) What what are you serving today? Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) So, so do you have a a process when you're databasing these people to be able to, because your, your client list is growing and growing and growing and growing and the uniqueness of each individual is unique. So how do you keep a finger on who to send what to when and to kind of segment the database that you have so that you can not go crazy trying to figure out day to day who you're doing something for. So I'm sure every agent knows this. There's the A bucket, the B bucket and the C bucket. So I very much play within that. A bucket are the people that are always going to use you no matter what. They're going to refer you to their friends and family. They're going to be the biggest advocate. People in my A bucket are on my PR list. Every single time we have anything, they're invited. They're invited to it. They're sent gifts to it. They're the people that are going to blast it on their own social media. They're a referral machine. The B bucket are people that are going to use you. They will, but maybe they're not naturally going to refer you to other people. It's just not in them. Um, They are also on the PR list, but they're not as heavily farmed. They're just, you know, we touch base with them. We want to show them we appreciate them. Um, but the Instagrammable or the social media frenzy stuff is usually always to the A people. 
Um, and then there's the bucket C, which are, you know, sphere of influence, people that potentially could use you at one point in their life. They haven't really thought about using you yet, or maybe they're not ready to transact. Those people are really in the bucket that if we have a real estate focused event, we invite them to. So first time buyers, investment seminars, we do a lot of stuff for females, um, gaining financial freedom through real estate. We are an all female team. So we do a bunch of things regarding that. And that's where we'll invite them to. So even open house people, they'll get invited to those events. So whatever event we have tailored towards that specific um, open house, like it's around that time, we'll invite people when they come through. Right. And we do have a turnaround for that as well. Like they will show up. Got it. Okay. So I'd imagine your CRM is a huge part of your business. And yeah, we use follow-up boss right now. Okay. And has it always been, or is that something you were like, damn it, I should have implemented it sooner. Or did you always have it going? I probably should have been more organized sooner. Mm. Like, and I'm sure every agent doesn't feel like their CRM is completely organized. If yeah. there is an agent out there that thinks their CRM is awesome, I'd love to see it to take <laughs> notes. Yeah. But I think that if I started in my first year heavily with the CRM and made it completely clean and perfect, I'd be in a much better position now. Mm. Um, but CRM is your lifeline in real estate. You want to sell pre-construction, you use your, your CRM. You have an open house for a listing. You potentially have, buy you have buyers in your own CRM that you don't even know exist. You just have to reach out to them. So mm -hmm. CRM is very much, a it's your lifeline. The more strongly you hold on to that, the repeat and referral business will come out of it. But if you don't have a CRM going for you, like you can't follow up with everyone on a spreadsheet. Especially when you get to a point where a huge portion of your business, it it can't, it's not sustainable. Over a hundred people in a spreadsheet is not sustainable. Yeah. Right. Especially when you're bucketing them and there's different journeys that individuals are on. It makes it that much more difficult to just put, oh, well, the person in A3 needs an email today, but the person in C9 doesn't. So yeah. uh, on on the, the database front, um, I want to compliment you, and I don't know if it's always been like this or, or the same. Uh, the journey that your website has taken, it's a very simple website, but that's what makes it so good. Like, I think it's just the message is there, and I'm going to plug it for you so people can go check it out. But elenasaradidis.com. It's changing. Don't plug it. I was going to say, when I go on it, it's exactly the model that I think people should have, where all roads lead to database, and it's simple messaging, and it's all right there. So should I stop talking about it all together? No, it's you can talk so, about it, but there's a no, new website. It is going to launch in the new year, because Ooh. as you can see from my current website, it's not the team. The team mm, is fairly new. Right. We're six months into having the team. Um, the new website will have the team on it. So. Okay. We've already Open. paid for the new website. It is in the works. It is going to be launched eventually. Oh, <laughs> but that was my starter website. Like I do think that anyone that doesn't have a website and you're brand new in real estate, you need some sort of form of social media presence where someone can legitify you. Like Instagram is not enough. You need to be able to be like, oh, I met this agent. Let me Google them. Are they legit? Do they have a website? It doesn't have to be a perfect website, but it needs to be present. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People. People are trained to dig dirt on people and to find people and to figure out more about you, whether it's through social media or do they even have a website and what does it look like? But I'm going to stop talking about this particular website now. <laughs> as, as Honestly, though, I, I just I guess the point is, and I would suspect the new website's going to do the same thing, is, is really the journey it takes your eyes on is 
you get enough information that you want more, but not so much that you're not going to go further. And the go further is what I assume brings them directly into your database at that point, which is just the way every form of media out there should be is what are you telling people to do, right? Like, it's great if you put a flyer out there, but if they get it and then there's nothing to do with it, sure, it's another touch point, which is great, but what's the call to action? As subtle as it is, um, I suspect the team site will do it. Is the team site going to be the same domain name or is there a new domain It'll name? It'll be the same domain, domain okay. name. <laughs> Don't worry. They'll keep your okay. eyes out for a couple months in. There'll be a whole new website. We're, we're all about breaking news on this podcast. So there. <laughs> you heard it. We're just suck it out of you. No. <laughs> Even if you don't tell us. Oh, that's that's okay. That's good. I'm excited to see it. So let's talk about the evolution of your team. That's so exciting. Like, how did you get to this point? Did you, because I know a lot of people, agents ask, like, how do I start? Do I hire a buyer agent? Do I hire an admin? Do I hire, do you feel like there's like a way to go about this progression? There is. And you have to understand why you're starting a team. Mm -hmm. There has to be a a reason. It can't just be, I want to start a team because everyone else is doing it. There has to be a reason why you want to start a team. Is it because you want to provide knowledge? Is it because you want to take a step back? Is it because you want to be able to be in more places at the same time? Like, why are you starting a team? And if you have no good why, the response isn't you need a team member, it's you need an admin. Mm -hmm. And you only hire an admin when your workload is so much that you can't actually handle it. And when you have the first admin, if you think that you can still do it fully by yourself, you hire a second admin. And again, at that point, if you need a second agent, you need an actual body that's running around and opening doors, that's when you need a team member. Mm. If you notice that you actually need a second individual, you have way too many appointments, you can't be everywhere at the same time, then you add on a team member. But you don't need a team member unless you're that busy. You need admin. Admin is like the lifesavers of real estate. Like I love my admin. I like I've I got an admin probably my second year is when I started having admins. Okay. Having an admin, if I knew then what I knew, like what I know now, I would have probably gotten one even sooner. Hmm. Having someone that can organize you, that can book the appointments for you, that can help you with like just the back-ended system of your business, the following up, the making sure that they get their PR Elena gifts when they need to get them. Mm-hmm. that was a game changer because it alleviated time for me to do the things that I love, which is showing property. I want to show property. I want to put in offers. So it alleviated the time to actually do that because I had another person making sure that I would continuously have business through the following up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 110% admin is first. Do not start a team without getting an admin first is my great advice. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how in both cases for the admin and your team members, what was your process for determining who and from where were they all people you knew already, or was there more of a process yeah. to, to finding them? So some of them now I have, I have two agents that I've worked with in the past. They're my senior agents on the team. Um, they're phenomenal. They are very strong solo agents, but again, lifestyle. We're all women in real estate. Eventually there's going to be a time where we want to have kids. There's going to be a time when we want to travel. There's going to be a time when, you know, someone's going to want to get married or someone's going to want to do something. How do we buy back time? How do we make sure that we can do things that make us happier, that fulfill our personal lives and not let our business suffer? So by joining together, 
they have a support system or a back end that they wouldn't have had if they were by themselves. If they want to step back tomorrow or go on vacation or go do something, there's always someone that's going to handle their business the same way they would handle their own. So I think that's what was the um, the drive for more experienced agents to join is to be able to have that support just amongst each other that we would take care of each other's clients. Um, but again, that was an evolution of them even coming over. I hired um, brand new agents first um, and they're all in a different category of newness. And the only reason why I hired that quickly, that fast is because I found these specific people that I actually wanted. Mm. I was only planning to hire one person. That was the goal from the start. I'm starting slow. But like we said at the beginning, I like to run. I don't like yes. to walk. <laughs> so um, I interviewed a bunch of people. And out of the group that I interviewed, three of them stood out. Okay. And I didn't know which one to hire. So out of those three, I kept going back and forth. Which one do I hire? Which one do I hire? Maybe I hire two. And then I couldn't figure out which two to hire. So I hired all three. So my, my team grew large overnight. <laughs> Um, but I think that the way that I started because of the people that I brought on, the culture is really good. Mm, so yeah. they enjoy that they all started together. They call themselves the littles. Uh-huh. It's very cute. <laughs> I love it. We have the littles and we have the seniors. This is senior agents that have been there forever and then the littles. The littles. But it, it's, it's a great team. The dynamic is really fun. Um, and everyone means business. I, like I said in the beginning, everyone comes to the office every day. We had our team meeting earlier today. Um, it's mandatory. Everyone comes in. And the whole goal is how do we make each other better? And how do we grow our businesses? Amazing. I love it. I'd love to be a fly on that wall. I mean, I'm just, just seeing women together. I mean, it's just, I How mean, by? not, not, not men at all, but I mean, it's just, there's something to be said. And especially like I've seen more and more of that in the real estate industry. And um, it's just, it's really inspiring to watch and see and just see how well um, women do working together and supporting one another. So yeah, that's so inspiring. Love it. Did you have something? I didn't know if Daniel was going to. I can jump in. in. He looks ready. I don't does. want to get in the way of that. I don't want to get in the of way the of the women. Pause. Yeah, that was a, that was a good pause right there. I'm not going to break the silence with this deep man voice. That doesn't make sense there. Um, <laughs> I do have another question though, but but I I'm, I'm happy to let go ask in the women for a second. Okay. Let's just okay, let's just good. give it a moment. Let's all take a moment. Okay. Um, I'm curious about your investing. Okay. And and I, I know it's a total shift. Like let's let's turn left here, but. How did that come to be? What has your process been? Is this something that is a long-term, I'm going to keep going and building and building and building? Or are you sort of in the place you set for yourself and and happy with it? Oh, I'm never going to be happy fully with how many properties. I Never. Like I, I know there's always going to be a property out there that I'm going to see and I'm going to be like, this is it. Like I need to buy this or find a way to get into this. Um, we'll start from the beginning on where I started. I The first property I ever bought was pre-construction. So I, again, I was young at the time. I just started in real estate. How do you buy? You have no mortgageability. You don't really have a down payment, but I was living at home. So every dollar I was making, I was saving. And I had to save extra hard because, you know, no Uber or no coffees because I have to make pre-construction payments. Yeah. So I worked at Brad Lamb at the time and I brokered a deal with him where I paid him monthly for the pre-construction condo that I bought. And it was not a cheap monthly price. It was a very expensive monthly price. Uh, I paid almost, I think, seven grand a month. 
Yeah. We're rounding up. It was 6,000 something, but it was almost seven grand a month. Um, and again, I was very young and working in real estate. So how do you make $7,000 a month? You can't, you have to do something. I couldn't afford to fail. So I was running around doing rentals. I had to, I had to make each payment. So it was about kind of lighting a fire underneath me as well. You can't afford to fail. So what are you going to do? You're going to work harder. So that property is fully paid. I paid my over 20% down for the down payment. And now I'm waiting for it to be fully constructed. It's not even built yet. So uh, I haven't even taken occupancy. I think occupancy will happen in October this year. Okay. And that was the first one I ever bought. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Second property I ever bought is the house that I'm currently in. It's a multiplex. So I started dating. um, I didn't start dating. I was with him for a while. I was dating (laughs) my boyfriend and we decided we're going to buy property. It was the next organic step. Um, Let's invest in real estate. In my mind, it was totally just an investment. In his mind, this was a huge step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we bought uh, a house um, in Little Italy. I love that pocket of the city. And we bought it as an investment. In my Again, in my mind, it was an investment. Rent out the units. We'll make money on the side. It'll be great. It cash flows. We'll renovate one of the units to our liking and move there eventually. That's going to be the plan. So we bought that house after the renovation of that house, we refinanced it, pulled out the equity. When we pulled out the equity of that one, we pulled out about half a million dollars. So the half a million dollars that we pulled out, we used to buy other real estate. Hmm. So we ended up buying a property in Nova Scotia, also a multiplex. um, And that one, Dan's sister lives in one of the floors. We rent out the other floor. It's neutral um, during the same time that that one was bought. There was a property in Toronto in the annex that came up on the market. Mm-hmm. And I knew this property was coming up because I knew the listing agent. And I sent my mom with the listing agent to go see it because I was not in Toronto. I was in Nova Scotia at the time. And my mom sees it. She didn't even go to the basement because she was terrified. <laughs> she goes, this is a hoarder house, but it's in a great location. And I think you're going to make money off of it. My mom has vision. She could oh see it. Yeah, She's very, very like risk cautious like she's not going to take risk she never was none of my parents took risk they think what I do is insane that I take all these risks but I'm like we need to find a way to buy this house we can make it work we have the down payment so we bought that we bought that house we were competing in multiple offers um the story of how um we got the house and the tenants is probably a part two question of property yeah. portfolio and management um but we we got it. I think we did a great job on that house. I think it's probably up at least almost a million dollars from when we bought it. Yeah. So it was a great buy at the time. Around the same time where that all happened, we didn't even close on either of those yet. Uh, the My neighbors of the current house that we're in told me, Elena, we're thinking of selling. So where do you think my mind went? Yeah. I need to buy this house. I know where it's going to go. <laughs> So my partner goes, Elena, where are you going to find the money? Yeah. And I said, great question. Where are we going to find this money? Like at this point, the half a million dollars that we had is being diversified. We probably have a little yeah. bit left, but not enough to buy another house next to our house. Like that's yeah. it's just not possible. <laughs> so at that moment, I'm like, I can't let this house slip. If I look at it long-term, I can probably create an assembly. If I buy both the houses on the other side of it as well. Like I'm thinking... 10, 20 years ahead at this point. Like I need to buy this house. 
So I call a client of mine, an investor, and I think I'm the biggest baller in town at this point because I call him and I go, I think you need to come see this house. And he goes, no problem, Elena. I'll be on a flight on Tuesday. Got a flight. Okay, I'll pick you up from the airport. For sure. (laughs) So he's from Montreal. I picked him up from the airport. I brought him to the house. We look around the house. It needs work. Like these are old school houses in Little Italy. Like they need work. Yeah. So we see the house. The roof is fully shot. Like you can see the damage of the roof. So I take him through the house. He likes it. I like it. We go to a coffee shop afterwards and he goes, okay, Elena, what do you think we need to offer on it? And I go, wait, you're going to put in an offer? He goes, do you think I came all this way not to offer on the house? (laughs) I go, "Uh, okay. And he goes, what percentage would you like? Oh my God. Wow. Without even thinking, I go 25%. (laughs) Like, I'm like, in my mind, I can afford 25% of this house. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I message Dan and I go, Dan, I'm buying 25% of the house. And he loses his mind. He's like, who are you buying this house with? I've never met this individual. How are you buying the house next door? At this point, our lives, our finances, everything is very much intertwined. He's like, you're making this huge decision. You're going to affect our buying power. And I don't know who you're buying with. So I brought the person back with me and I was like, this is him. (laughs) And he goes, okay, well, can you tell me what you think, what you're thinking about with this house? Like, how are we going to split it up? How, like, what income are we going to generate from it? So I sit down, the math I can do in my head, it's going to make sense. But Dan needs a spreadsheet. So we have spreadsheets. Our clients all have access to these spreadsheets, but it's basically going to write down how much is the worst case scenario of us purchasing the property to best case scenario. What are the rental rates we could potentially get? How much money do we need to rehab the properties? And at the end of the day, does it make sense? So what's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario? Now the property makes sense. Any way you slice it, it makes sense. So the investor leaves and I sat with Dan and Dan goes, look, I really like it too. He goes, but I don't want 25, I want 50. Why are you just trying to tell me not to buy this house? It's spreadsheet. The spreadsheets work. If you see the numbers and someone's analytical, it works. So we got 50% of the house next door um, off of me saying, I don't want to let go of this house. Oh my God. To this day, Dan says, if we could have afforded to buy that house in full, we should have bought it. Mm. We couldn't. At that moment in time, there was no other cash. You couldn't just do it. Um, So we did, we closed on that property. We uh, rehabbed it. We didn't get the chance to refinance it because the interest rate shot up True. and I'm variable yeah. on everything to give people oh, some context. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel it. But the numbers made sense to the point that even now that it's on variable, mm-hmm. it still covers itself. That's good. So that's awesome. Calculated risk is probably the name of the game. But if I had opportunity or if I had cash, I'd be buying more, mm-hmm. especially right now. I think right now is, you know, there's yeah. a window of opportunity still. Yeah. So like, how, like, what personality are you? You just must be super outgoing. Like, I, I've tried to stick. Like, you just seem to, like, like, you just seem to be all out there, which I love. And that must just bring people to you. Like, I feel like you're a very magnetic personality. Like, do you just know a ton of people and just always are out and talking to people? Are you super outgoing? Like, <laughs> tell me about you. Um, well, I do think I'm an extrovert. If that yeah. didn't come across, I am very much an extrovert. Yeah. Um, but I do think there is a talent. And the more you know about the field that you're in, the more organic conversations happen. Yeah, very so true. If you know all your numbers, if you know all your stats, and you're sitting in an elevator with someone, and they mention something, you can somehow convert them into a client. 
If you're sitting at a coffee shop and you strike up a conversation, if you know enough about the market, if you know enough about the area, you can convert them. So yeah. it is a, a skill that I have. I've actually um, interviewed people in the past that have said, I don't know how you do this. And I said, wait one minute, let me show you. Mm. And I've randomly done it in front of them, but you can convert off of just knowing information. So true. Yeah. Do you feel social media helps you with that as well? Because when you're explaining things on video, it kind of sticks better, or I guess you're kind of explaining from experience as well at that point, but Definitely. But the way I use social media is not so much to gain new clients. It's mm. to establish a relevancy and a reminder to my old clients. Yeah. So it's very much like a, it's a touch point from that regard. It's very much, okay. we're still active in real estate. We're looking at property all the time. You want to ask us any questions we're here. And I do find that clients of mine will refer other people to my Instagram mm. to look through or to get information from, like they do look at it. Yeah. But it's more for my own clients to see that, you know, I'm still working in real estate. I haven't retired in the Cayman Islands. I'm still working. Not yet. Well, yeah. speaking. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Daniel. You're about to say something. No, no, no. You were about to say. No, no, no. I was going to, I was going to ask with a, I, I want to respect Elena's time, but ask your question and then I have a, a last question. Uh, okay. Well, I, I was just curious when we're talking about referring other clients from your current base, are you overt about asking for that? Or is that something that flows naturally from people seeing you so much and knowing you're their person? Because that happens for sure. But is it more about the ask, like in the stuff that you put out there? Um, I would say it's a balancing act. So there's a couple ways that I connect with my clients and that refers business to me. So the first step is like the PR stuff that I do for them. They will post whatever I send them on social media. And through that, it starts a conversation. Oh, my real estate agent's the best agent. Look what she sent me. Mm. And they'll be like, oh, I'm actually looking. Like, who's your agent? And I'll get an inquiry. Or for example, like on my holiday cards, it says, all I want for Christmas is your referrals. It literally says it. I'm like, I don't know how much clearer to be. Send me your friends and family. I want to help them. Yeah. Like, so so there's a, a bunch of different ways, but the social aspect is just another layer of if they Googled me versus if they just looked on social media and found me, mm -hmm. what is she talking about? Is she talking about real estate? Is, does she do this full time? Yeah. Do I know that I can trust her because she's gone through it? And that's why I also talk about my own real estate portfolio with my clients a lot and how I've got to where I have more in depth than what we've discussed now, more about refinancing, more about um, how do, do I make sure the property cash flows, house hacking, co-ownership, like they know that they're coming to a person that has knowledge in it because I've done it myself. Yeah. That's so really there important. is a huge value add to my own clients because I'm in the trenches. Like I've done all this. I've done the rentals. Like we do two to three reno projects a year. And we're not mm. just talking about painting. We're talking about gut jobs. So yeah. I am a value add for them from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, such a good point. I mean, I think like I just wrote down trenches because I feel like how you started, you started in the trenches, you're, you're going through things and like it's all to really, I mean, not the whole point is to obviously, you know, be such a great resource for your clients, but it is like, that's what it has become for you. And that's like so important. And I think it's such an important message for, for any agent to take from this conversation is just to realize that these are the things you have to go through because it's just going to bring you to the other side in a in a much more successful way. So thank well, the you. thing too is anytime you show a property, anytime you have a consultation, the whole point of it is to add value to them that they couldn't have found on their own. Right. 
So you're not a tour guide. Real estate agents are not tour guides. They can see where the kitchen is. They can see where the bathroom is. What do you bring to the table when you're showing them that house? Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to tell them something or show them something that they would not have known if they worked with anyone else. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So important. So what is the, what's on the horizon? Like you've started your team. What's like the next five, 10 years looking like for you? What do you want out of this? Um, I would say the best way to summarize it is very much growth and it's growth from all avenues. We want to be able to help more people. Um, Our job at the end of the day is to do such a great job for our clients that they refer us their friends and family. And that's what we tell all of our clients. Like our job is literally to do such a great job for you. So just to expand on all aspects to uh, may potentially bring on another agent, but that's a long-term if we find the right ter- right person for it. Yeah. But overall, it's just to help service our clients and help more people. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know where Daniel went. Oh, there, he's coming back. He was weird for a second. He was getting more questions. He was, yeah. I was, I was trying to, to be really calm about the fact that my laptop will not charge and it kept telling me it was about to die and i'm just thinking it's not oh, gonna no. die it's not gonna die in it. but now i'm back on the next one you made a quick recovery so i'm impressed it was it was yeah i tried to reduce the drama there okay you did it was good well elena elena thank you so so much for being on the podcast today we got so much and i'm sure our audience has a lot of notes and a lot of great tips for helping uh to grow their own career so thank you Anytime. Thank you for having me. Level, 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 level,